Hey, food eaters, what's happening? This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. Welcome to my monthly podcast. This is episode number 47. In today's show, I examine alternative foods, that is, foods that are manufactured for consumers with specific health conditions. That category includes foods to avoid allergies or food sensitivities, for example, lactose intolerance or gluten sensitivity, or foods for special diets like vegetarian, vegan, keto, paleo, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, and a host of others. The focus for this episode is gluten-free foods. If you're new to the podcast, here's some info about me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And for much of that time, I've had a zealous fascination, some may call it a morbid obsession, with processed foods, what's in those foods, and how they may be affecting our health. I look behind the commercial food curtain at all of those strange, hard-to-pronounce, and sometimes dangerous ingredients that populate many of the foods stocked on grocery store shelves. This is a 100% free, on-demand streaming program. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and to keep it that way, I don't work with any business or sponsoring organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you feel informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Let's get to the subject at hand. If you follow my podcast, you know that I vociferously go after commercial foods that are ultra-processed, that is full of additives and synthetic ingredients that no healthy human body should be exposed to. Unfortunately, that's the nature of most of the foods in grocery stores these days. The processed food epidemic in the USA is exemplified by the rising rates of obesity and deadly illnesses like cancer, heart disease, stroke, digestive disorders, autoimmune diseases, and diabetes. Strangely enough, this episode will take a different tack. In looking at gluten-free foods, I was shocked to find mostly products that were acceptable not chock full of hazardous or non-food ingredients. So, you can look forward to a fairly positive message as I examine 10 gluten-free foods that are available in grocery stores and online. First of all, why is gluten-free such a big deal these days? Why has the number of products mushroomed in the last 10 years? I remember a time back in the 1990s when, if you wanted to eat gluten-free, you had to go to a health food store. Now, every decent-sized grocery store carries those items. In 2016, $15.5 billion was spent on gluten-free food, which was double the amount spent in 2011, just five years before. Let's get basic. What is gluten? Gluten is a type of protein found in wheat. If you've made bread from scratch, you've experienced the presence of gluten. When the bread dough is formed from flour, yeast, and water, the next step is to fold and pound it. That exercise, which can be exhausting, takes advantage of a property of gluten which allows the dough to stretch. It provides elasticity, helps the dough to rise and take shape. The final bread product provides a chewy consistency, which most people love. 
Gluten is found in other products as well, like corn, but corn gluten is rarely a problem for people. So it's the wheat and the foods made from wheat that are problematic for a small percentage of the population. Let's look at several health conditions that give rise to gluten sensitivities. The most serious condition is called celiac disease. The word celiac refers to the abdominal cavity. About 1% of people in the USA have that disease. That's about 2.5 million people, a fair number. Oftentimes, there are no symptoms, so about 40% of people are undiagnosed. This disease can be fatal if left untreated. It's an autoimmune disease with a hereditary component. It can cause damage to the small intestine, giving rise to nutritional deficiencies, bloating, diarrhea, abdominal pain, anemia, joint pain, osteoporosis, and weight loss. A person has a 10% risk of getting celiac disease if they have a first-degree relative, like a parent or a sibling, who has that disease. Sufferers of, of celiac disease will have increased risk for coronary heart disease, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, small bowel cancer, and other autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, and neurological problems. The only way to manage the illness is to avoid all foods with gluten in them. Another wheat-related health condition are allergies. Roughly 1% of people in the USA have those. Lastly, the largest group of people who have issues with gluten have what is called non-celiac gluten sensitivity. The actual numbers are unclear. Could be anywhere from half a percent to 13% of the population. All of these people seem to do better on a gluten-free diet. An interesting study in 2017 using a double-blind placebo model revealed that only 16% of test subjects who thought they were gluten-sensitive actually showed symptoms. So that means that test subjects that weren't consuming gluten products actually exhibited signs of sensitivity. Obviously, the subject of gluten sensitivity is a complicated one, but the food companies that manufacture gluten-free products are benefiting from the rising claims of gluten sensitivity. There may be other components in wheat, such as fructans, that cause similar gut reactions. A recent NPR survey revealed that about 33% of Americans want to reduce or eliminate gluten from their diet. That's a lot of people. It's interesting to note that when people feel better after removing gluten foods from their diet, it may simply be because they are cutting down on junk food consumption. When we estimate the total percentage of Americans who are gluten sensitive by adding together the celiacs, people with wheat allergies, and the non-celiac sensitive people, it's roughly 4% of the population. That is still significant. I want to say a few words about our government's regulation of foods that claim to be gluten-free. The Federal Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, states in their usual convoluted way, quote, Since 2014, the FDA has required that claims on food labels that a food contains no gluten meet a clear standard that assures consumers that gluten-free claims on food products will be truthful and consistent. The FDA rule specifies that any foods that carry the label 
gluten-free or no gluten or free of gluten or without gluten must contain less than 20 parts per million, that's ppm, of gluten. This level is the lowest that can be reliably detected in foods using scientifically validated analytical methods. End of quote. For those of you not used to thinking in ppm units, the ppm is a concentration unit. For example, if a 16-ounce box of cereal is labeled gluten-free, then it should have no more than 9 milligrams of gluten in the whole box. That's enough to fit on the tip of your pinky finger. So 20 ppm is a very small concentration and is the upper limit of contamination in gluten-free foods as regulated by our government. Another way of defining gluten-free is to say that a food product does not contain any ingredient or contaminant that comes from wheat, rye, barley, or crossbreeds of those grains. Note that the FDA rule says nothing about the healthiness of a gluten-free product. It could be healthy or terribly unhealthy. Also, any food manufacturer who had already been making products that did not contain wheat, rye, or barley, or do not naturally contain gluten, could claim that they were gluten-free. You may have seen such products in the supermarket. For example, these products could be labeled gluten-free, bottled water, fruits, vegetables, and eggs. I recently noticed that an 85% cacao chocolate bar was labeled gluten-free. Now that's a bit ridiculous. There are some rather unscrupulous food manufacturers who will jump on the gluten-free bandwagon to cash in on this hot trend. Let's take a look at a variety of gluten-free products. If you're someone who has these foods as part of your diet, then you know that they tend to be much more expensive than their wheat counterparts, maybe 200 to 300% more expensive. To some extent, I understand why that's the case. Wheat is a commodity. It's pretty dirt cheap, so any substitutes for it are going to cost more. Secondly, the market for such foods is limited since the target consumer group is pretty small. As I said earlier, maybe 4% of the population has some type of gluten sensitivity. Thirdly, manufacturing costs have got to be higher due to the requirement of maintaining equipment that is free of wheat products. So there's a definite cost factor involved to gain the health benefits, if any, of going gluten-free. Let's review 10 examples of gluten-free products. The first product to review is Barber's Multigrain Puffins Cereal. This cereal has been around a long time. I remember seeing it in the natural food section of my grocery store over 10 years ago. I really liked it. I purchased it for its flavor and crunchiness, not even realizing that it was gluten-free. Here are the ingredients in the cereal. Corn flour, whole grain brown rice flour, cane sugar, whole grain oat flour, fructo-oligosaccharides, oat whole fiber, calcium carbonate, sea salt, natural flavor, caramel color, and annatto for color. And finally, tocopherols. Notice that corn, brown rice, and oat flours take the place of the wheat. The fifth ingredient is fructo-oligosaccharides. (music) 
That's a sound signifying a new ingredient never before discussed on this podcast. Those things are indigestible sugars that are found in plants like tomatoes, onions, and bananas. They just travel through the stomach and wind up in the intestines where they are fermented and they promote the growth of beneficial bacteria. They are 30 to 50% as sweet as sugar. The cereal has no artificial colors, but instead uses the natural colors of caramel and annatto. That's good. Also, there are no artificial preservatives like BHA and BHT. That's good. The last ingredient, tocopherols, serve as antioxidants, natural antioxidants, and include the recognizable chemical vitamin E. Note that of the 12 ingredients in this product, there are four that are likely ultra-processed. Those are fructooligosaccharides, calcium carbonate, natural flavor, and the tocopherols. Let's look at product number two, Rudy's Homestyle Gluten-Free Bread. Yes, there are many breads that can be made without wheat flour. Here are the ingredients in this bread. Water, modified tapioca starch, brown rice flour, cane sugar, organic brown rice flour, white sorghum flour, canola oil, rice starch, modified potato starch, organic sorghum maltose, yeast, psyllium husk, egg whites, sea salt, modified cellulose gum, organic white distilled vinegar, guar gum, and cultured brown rice. The flours used to replace wheat are the following. Modified tapioca starch, brown rice flour, sorghum flour, rice starch, and modified potato starch. Notice the use of the word modified, as in modified tapioca starch, modified potato starch, and modified cellulose gum. The word modified is a pseudonym for ultra-processed. Food derivatives that are modified involve industrial processes using chemicals, machines, or fermentation to alter the properties of the materials. Food companies are not required to reveal what types of modifications are made, so you really have no idea what you're eating. The 11th ingredient is sorghum maltose, which is an alternative sweetener made from the chemical or enzymatic breakdown of sorghum flour. Its sweetness is less than that of cane sugar or fructose. The 13th ingredient is psyllium husk made from the seeds of the plantago plant. All right, another new ingredient. Psyllium is mainly used as a dietary fiber to relieve symptoms of both constipation and mild diarrhea. Think Metamucil. It's also used in food products as a thickener. In breakfast cereals, it may contribute to health by lowering cholesterol levels and improving gastrointestinal function. It can also help to lower blood glucose levels in people with type 2 diabetes. Of the 17 non-water ingredients in this bread, six of them could be considered very processed or ultra-processed. That's about one-third. When looked at the bread from that perspective, this product doesn't get a high score for healthiness. All right, looking at product number three, we have Simple Mills Crunchy Double Chocolate Cookies. That's a mouthful. Here are the ingredients. Nut and seed flour blend, that includes almonds and flax seeds, chocolate chips that have cane sugar, unsweetened chocolate, and cocoa butter. Then there's tapioca starch, organic 
coconut sugar, organic palm shortening, arrowroot, cocoa powder, baking soda, sea salt, cream of tartar, vanilla extract, and rosemary extract for freshness. How do these ingredients stack up in these cookies? I like the nut and seed blend, which comes from Whole Foods. However, there are some highly processed ingredients like tapioca starch, palm shortening, arrowroot, and cocoa powder. Arrowroot can be made from several plants, including cassava. It's a type of starch with some unusual properties, such as the ability to form a clear gel. Then there are the man-made chemicals like cream of tartar, chemically known as potassium tartrate. There is another one. Cream of tartar is a byproduct of the winemaking industry and is a possible constituent of baking powder. Another man-made chemical is baking soda or sodium bicarbonate. So roughly about one-third of each cookie has ingredients that are highly processed or man-made. All right, here's product number four, Saffron Road Beef Bulgogi. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. All right, it has uh, the following ingredients in it. Uh, they are listed according to category, such as vegetable saute, rice, sauce, and meat. In the vegetable saute are bok choy, mushrooms, onions, yellow soybean sprouts, yellow bell pepper, scallions, expeller pressed sunflower oil, garlic, toasted sesame oil, and gochugaru pepper, whatever that is. There are a bunch of healthy vegetables in this mix. The only very processed ingredients are the sunflower oil and the toasted sesame oil. In the rice, there's just water and brown rice. Note the use of the more nutritious brown rice instead of white rice. The sauce contains gluten-free reduced sodium tamari. That's a, a kind of soy sauce, if you're not familiar with that term. It has water, soybeans, and salt in it. Then there's pear juice, concentrate, raw cane sugar, toasted sesame oil, native cornstarch, and ginger. Those sound like pretty good ingredients with minimal processing. In the meat part of the dish, there is beef sirloin, water, rice starch, lemon juice concentrate, vinegar, garlic, and ginger. The only very processed ingredient here would be the, the rice starch. Overall, considering the minimal use of additives and highly processed ingredients, the beef bulgogi is pretty healthy from the point of view of the ingredient content. Product number five, cauliflower margarita pizza. Yeah, I did pronounce it right. It's cauliflower because it has cauliflower in it. Okay, so that's the first ingredient. Second one is tomato sauce, which has tomatoes, garlic, oregano, sea salt. There's mozzarella white cheddar cheese blend, which has pasteurized part skim milk, cheese cultures, salt, and enzymes. Then there's brown rice flour, cornstarch, water, tomatoes, parmesan cheese, which has pasteurized whole milk, cheese cultures, salt, and enzymes. Then there's tapioca, sunflower oil, extra virgin olive oil, sugar, basil, egg, xanthan gum, yeast, salt, vinegar, baking powder, which has sodium acid pyrophosphate, sodium bicarbonate, cornstarch, and monocalcium phosphate. Note that rice and tapioca flours are wheat substitutes. This pizza has a number of pretty processed ingredients, including the above-mentioned flours. 
Uh, there's cornstarch, sunflower oil, olive oil, and xanthan gum. Man-made chemicals include sodium acid pyrophosphate, sodium bicarbonate, and monocalcium phosphate. Overall, the ingredients are similar to what you might find in a pizza with a wheat-based crust, but there are fewer of the highly processed ingredients compared to what you would find in a cheaper product like Red Baron Pizza. All right, product number six is Primizi Ancient Sprouted Grains Crispreads. Another mouthful. The ingredient list is whole grains, including brown rice flour, sorghum flour, amaranth flour, teff flour, and white cornmeal. Then there's cassava flour, potato starch, pure cane sugar, vegetable gums, which includes xanthan gum and guar gum. Then sea salt, sunflower oil, organic flax, organic sprouted sorghum, organic millet flour, organic brown rice flour, poppy seeds, sprouted organic quinoa, sprouted caraway seeds, sprouted organic amaranth, organic molasses, and finally, extra virgin olive oil. I like that whole grains are leading the list in this product. There are quite a variety of alternative grains, six in all, to replace the traditional wheat. The fairly processed ingredients include potato starch, vegetable gum, sunflower oil, and olive oil. But this product does contain a number of organic ingredients, including seeds and sprouted seeds. For a snack, this stuff is pretty healthy compared to just about any other cracker in the supermarket. I just wonder if they taste good. Next up is number seven, Vienna Barbecue Chickpea Snack. The ingredients are chickpeas, sunflower oil, barbecue seasoning, which includes sea salt, evaporated cane juice, yeast extract, paprika, onion powder, garlic powder, citric acid, natural smoke flavor, paprika, and red pepper. I've had roasted seasoned chickpeas before. I've even made them myself. They're pretty good. The Vienna product is very basic, just chickpeas and seasoning. I only see one highly processed ingredient in the list, citric acid. So this snack looks pretty healthy. Product number eight, Ancient Harvest Pow, with an exclamation point, mac and cheese. Here are the ingredients. Gluten-free pasta made from red lentil flour and organic quinoa flour. Then there's a cheese sauce mix made from organic maltodextrin from corn, organic non-fat dry milk, organic cheddar cheese powder, which has organic cheddar cheese in it, uh, which is itself made from pasteurized organic milk, cheese culture, salt, and enzymes, including sodium phosphate as the last ingredient. Then there's organic corn starch, salt, natural flavors from milk, sodium phosphate, organic sugar, and finally organic annatto extract. Uh, again, that's for color. As you know, most macaroni and cheese entrees use wheat pasta, but in this product, the pasta is made from red lentil and quinoa flours. Good choices. The cheeses have the usual ingredients with the addition of the highly processed maltodextrin. A chemical additive is sodium phosphate. No artificial flavors or colors in this product, and that's good. Overall, this mac and cheese gets a thumbs up. Next is product number nine, Amy's India Mata 
Paneer. Probably said that wrong. This dish has organic basmati rice, organic onions, organic peas, organic garbanzo beans, filtered water, paneer cheese, which is made up of pasteurized milk, distilled vinegar, and or lactic acid. Then there's organic diced tomatoes, expeller-pressed high oleic safflower or sunflower oil, organic tomato puree, Organic carrots, organic garlic, organic ginger puree, which is made of water and organic ginger. Then spices, sea salt, organic cornstarch, turmeric, and finally paprika. Being an Indian dish, this product has some recognizable Indian ingredients like basmati rice, garbanzo beans, ginger, and turmeric. There are lots of organic ingredients. The only highly processed components are the oil, safflower, or sunflower. The vinegar and lactic acid may be minimally processed. Otherwise, this product looks pretty healthy. All right, the last one, number 10, feel-good foods chicken pot stickers. The ingredients include, in different categories, we have the filling, the wrapper, and the dipping sauce. So let's start with the filling. Uh, it has chicken, cabbage, sesame oil, scallions, evaporated cane sugar, garlic, salt, ginger, yeast, extract, cilantro, and black pepper. The wrapper has water, rice flour, tapioca starch, canola oil, konjac flour, salt, and xanthan gum. The dipping sauce has water, tamari soy sauce, which has water, soybean, salt, and alcohol, sugar, next, and then white vinegar, ginger, and garlic. The garlic has garlic, water, and citric acid, and finally, the last ingredient is black pepper. Note that the wrapper has the following wheat substitutes, rice flour, tapioca starch, and konjac flour. Konjac was new to me, but I guess it's well known in Southeast Asia. Originally from China, the konjac plant is cultivated in China, Korea, Taiwan, and Japan. The edible part of the plant is called the corm, C-O-R-M, which can be turned into a flower or jelly. It has some very interesting pseudonyms, such as devil's tongue, voodoo lily, snake palm, and elephant yam. Most of the ingredients in this product are body-friendly and benign, but there are a few that are highly processed. For example, tapioca starch, canola oil, and xanthan gum. All right, so let's look at things uh, in summary here. Gluten and wheat sensitivity are a real thing. As I discussed earlier, a small percent of the population has celiac disease, wheat allergies, or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. I was pleased to learn that since 2014, the U.S. government has regulated the food manufacturers that make gluten-free products, so those consumers have some protection. I didn't know that there was an actual maximum limit of 20 parts per million in foods that claim to be gluten-free. The gluten-free industry is growing, and every year new products are launched. I expect that this trend will continue for some time as more and more people wonder whether the intestinal problems they're experiencing are due to wheat in their diet. I've known about celiac disease for several decades. In the last six years, though, there seems to be an explosion of gluten-sensitive people. Personally, I think the hubbub over wheat gluten is exaggerated. To me, the real culprit is going to turn out to be a diet rich in ultra-processed foods, sugar, and fat, and correspondingly low in fiber. Namely, that's the standard American diet. Stay tuned on that assumption. Let's summarize the upsides and downsides of the gluten-free products that I reviewed in this show. Here are the upsides. 
The, the products that I've talked about are a cut above their wheat-based cousins in terms of health promotion and types of ingredients. Secondly, many of these products have a low number of industrial ingredients, that is, fewer preservatives and fewer synthetic chemicals like flavorings and colorings. Here are the downsides. Cost. They are bound to be more expensive than their wheat-based counterparts. Number two, availability. Gluten-free products are still a minority in grocery stores, so a gluten-sensitive person may have a hard time finding the products described in this episode. However, the online availability is probably pretty high. All right, changing the subject. Uh, Late this month, the PBS network released an American Experience documentary called The Poison Squad about the early days of the federal regulation of the food industry. A pioneering chemist by the name of Harvey Wiley proved that many of the foods sold in the late 19th century and early 20th century were either falsely advertised, contaminated, or adulterated. I highly recommend watching or streaming this documentary. Here is the program description. Quote, By the close of the Industrial Revolution, the American food supply was tainted with frauds, fakes, and legions of new and untested chemicals, dangerously threatening the health of consumers. Based on the book by Deborah Bloom, The Poison Squad tells the story of a government chemist, Dr. Harvey Wiley, who, determined to banish those dangerous substances from dinner tables, took on the powerful food manufacturers and their allies. Wiley embarked upon a series of bold and controversial trials on 12 human subjects who would become known as the Poison Squad. Following Wiley's unusual experiments and tireless advocacy, the film charts the path of the forgotten man who laid the groundwork for U.S. consumer protection laws and ultimately the creation of the FDA. End quote. Well, that's it, food eaters. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Let me know what you think. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed or show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or simply want to say hello, just drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one string, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast and feel free to share the posts. Next month, I'll continue looking at alternative processed foods when I turn my attention to another modern craze, the keto diet. Until later, always remember, if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is a clip from Tears of a Clown composed by Audio Binger.